Whew. All right. So we got prayer for healing back there. Anybody, anybody receive healing? Measure of healing? All right. Raise your hand if something happened. Okay. Awesome. Raise your hand if something's still happening. It's still going on. I'm going to get a drink. Hope you don't mind. Hey, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. You're really going to have to turn because the screen's, screen ain't working, so you can't look on there. Today we're gonna, we're gonna look at Abraham. Or we're gonna start, and he's Abram. You know, Abram had a transformation in his life. And it wasn't just that he spelled his name differently. Something happened to him where he became a different person. So I want us to, we're gonna, we're gonna go through a little bit because I want us to, to get a little bit of the context. If you aren't aware of, of the name Abraham, he's one of the key figures in the Old Testament. He's the one that God call, first calls out of his land to, uh, establish his covenant and his promise and ultimately his people and through that bring Jesus so that we can receive all the blessings that we were singing about, all this, all the amazing presence of God that's here with us because of what Jesus did by His death and His resurrection, His ascension, and His sending of the Holy Spirit, as we looked at last week. And so, Abram, it was His name when God first called Him, and He he has all kinds of adventures before we pick up here in, in 15, but He does something very important. God calls Him out, and He follows Him. He obeys. I mean, he goes. Uh, I mean, there's no indication that anybody else around Abram was was on board with it, but he, he answered the call of God, and he left his family. It says he left his father's house. He left everything familiar to him. He left, you know, all his buddies, all his friends, everything that was safe, and God says, hey, go to the land. I'm going to show you. And so he says, Okay. We're gonna, we're gonna head west. <laughs> I think. I think it was west. Uh, and so he has all kinds of adventures on the way. He gets to the land and there's other people there and God keep, keeps telling him, hey, your children are gonna have this land and, and Abram is like, I don't have kids yet. I'm getting older and older. And so we're gonna pick it up here in 15, uh, in verse 1. And so he's had a little bit of a battle, and he had to rescue his his nephew Lot, and there's all kinds of action that happens in 14. And so after this it says, The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. You know, the reward with God is him. Sometimes we, sometimes we get stuck. God does give stuff because He's a giver. He's, He's good. He likes to give good gifts. He likes to bless us. But the reward is not the, the freedom that you get. It's not the healing that you get. It's not the encouragement. It's not the hope that you get. That's not the reward. The reward is Him. 
The reward is you get, you get Jesus. You get the presence of God in your life. Uh, at this point, he was revealing himself to Abram. He gets the Father. He gets God himself. I'm your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. So then the word of the Lord came to him. Again, this man will not be your heir. But a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. It says this, Abraham believed God and he credited it to him as righteousness. And so God also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So here God gives him an answer. He gives him an an object lesson. Okay? Anybody ever teach children? You do lots of object lessons. I learned that by watching my wife. I'm not good at teaching children because... As you can tell, I don't do object lessons very often here. So God does an object lesson for for Abram. Rather than answering the question, he gives him some instructions. He says, set this up here. He says, bring me a heifer and a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Now, Abram brought all these to him. He cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for four hundred years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions." You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. For the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. So when the sun had set, you gotta, you gotta get this. I know I've preached this before, but this is, this is so fascinating. Um, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces, the pieces of the animals. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates, the land of all those ites, Kenites, Girgashites, Rephites, Jebusites, etc., etc., etc. And so here was God's answer to Abram, how can I, how can I be sure that what you said is true? And God points him to the covenant. Okay, what was happening right here is this. Is ancient covenant practices, when two two tribes or two families would come together, they would cut the animals in half, and then both parties would pass through the center 
of the blood and all the stuff. It's kind of gross. I get that. You're like, oh, yuck, man. This is supposed to be church. Uh, welcome to the Bible. <laughs> Old Testament 101. Rated R in some places. Seriously. Um, and so it, you, they would walk through and then they would, they would recite, you know, the, the terms of the covenant or they would declare blessing over one another. And then once that happened, those two families were joined together. All their resources, all, everything that they had was, was, was then one. And so if you fought one, then the other would come and rescue because they would fight for their covenant partner. And so we have a picture here right away. God, God says to Abram, when Abram asked the question, God says, go get the animals. And notice that Abram did not have to be told what to do. God didn't have to tell him, cut him in half, because he knew right away, God is going to make covenant. And so Abram, he knows what's going to happen, so he cuts him in two. But something interesting happens here. Only God passes through the middle. You know, it says there's a flaming torch and all this stuff appears. It's like an appearance, uh, uh, and a, and a, an appearance of God. And so he, you know, he puts Abram to sleep because he says, guess what? This covenant is going to be all me. This is going to be all me. This is how you're going to know that my promises are true. I'm taking on everything. You're going to get everything that's mine. You're going to get the blessing to my presence. You're going to get the blessing to my name. You'll be marked forever. And you will you will possess the land that I'm going to give you. You're going to have all these blessings. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be your defender. You know how the Old Testament, it says all over and over again, God says, I'm going to fight for you. My God will fight for you. It's because he's, he's a covenant God. And he made the covenant in this moment with Abraham and his descendants who weren't even born yet and said, I'm going to go through and pass through myself. And so it's the same with us. Whenever you're saying, God, is this promise true? I mean, we've all had times where we've had the promises of God, things spoken in our lives. Maybe we've read a scripture and we're like, boy, I just don't see that, God. I see it in here, but I don't, I don't see it around here. And the answer that God is going to give you is the same answer he gave Abraham. Instead of pointing at the animals, he's going to point at Jesus. Because what does it say in 2 Corinthians 1 and 19 and 20? It says that Jesus has become, you know, all the promises are yes and amen in Jesus. That he is the, the yes. And so whenever you find yourself in a place of doubt, whenever you find yourself in a place of confusion, whenever you find yourself in a place of discouragement, God is going to point to you. He's always pointing you to Jesus. He's always pointing you to covenant. And here's the deal. The covenant, the, the covenant with Abraham here is similar to the covenant with Jesus. Jesus did it all. He's the one that passed through, you know, he passed through death. He passed through torture. He passed through beating. He passed through, uh, receiving the sin of the world upon his shoulders. He passed through having sickness laid upon him. His, our infirmities were upon him. Our, everything was upon him and he was, he was passing through death. And he came out on the other side and rose back to life and came back from the dead just to show that his covenant was forever, not just for this lifetime. You know, the resurrection is a forever a sign that says, hey, it's not all just here. 
It's 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 beyond. If it's just here, man, if we just gotta have a good life here and that's it, then I mean that's cool. It's kind of kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, there's there's cool things here. There's good things. There's blessings of God. But th- if this is it, if this is all there is, yeah, that's cool. Just that's it. You live life and you die. But if this isn't it, oh man, there's way more. And God says, because of the covenant now, He says, I'm on the other side. I've always been on the other side, but I'm on the other side as a human interceding in heaven. Jesus is forever human and forever God, 100%. It says He's sitting in heaven and He's interceding for the people of God. So if you are discouraged and you're feeling lost, Jesus is praying for you. It doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're paying attention to Him. It doesn't matter if you're sinning in the moment. It does not matter. Jesus is praying for you. It says He ever lives to make intercession for the saints of God. If you're, if you're a child of God, if you've given your heart to Jesus, He's praying for you. It's fascinating, too, when we see the Holy Spirit showing up, and it says in Romans 8 that He teaches us to pray, and it says the, because the Holy Spirit is always praying, knows how to pray for the people of God. Basically, Romans 8, 26 and 27. John's translation. He, he's making intercession as well. So you got, you got two people right now. If you have nobody else praying for you, you got Jesus and the Holy Spirit interceding for you. And some of you got grandma also. <laughs> That's the Trinity right there. Jesus, the Holy Spirit and praying grandma. <laughs> That's not really the Trinity, okay? I'm not trying to be disrespectful. <laughs> so, Whenever we find ourselves in a place where we're saying, God, how can I know? How can I know? He's going to point to the covenant. God, how can I know if, if you're really going to heal, if you're really going to free? Is, is this going to last forever? How can I know? He's going to say, look at, look at this. Look at Jesus. This is the covenant I've made with you. It's an unconditional covenant. You just have to receive it. It's not conditional. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on you being a great person. It's not based on you doing all the right things. It's it's only based on what Jesus has done, and you just have to receive it. You believe it and receive it. You just trust that it has been done for you, that Jesus actually did that for each and every one of us. But Abram, he has this encounter with God, and then he goes back to living life. It's like another, I think he's 75 here. And we're going to pick up in Genesis 17. And he has another encounter with God. So when Abram was 99 years old, Miss Dorothy's not here today, so we don't have anybody approaching 99, but she is approaching, I believe, 98 this year. Uh, so when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. And so Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant 
as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. And so what happens here, Pastor Don can correct me if I'm wrong here about Hebrew, is when God changes Abram's name to Abraham, I think you mentioned this, but I've also looked at this, he puts the letter Hey in the middle of his name. So the letter Hey is one of the letters from the name of God, from Yahweh, or Yehovah, however we say it, we don't know for sure, but Yahweh or Jehovah is what you've heard in church. But I, I like Yahweh, just sounds you know, whatever. So, um, so he takes the name, one of the letters from his name and he puts it inside Abraham's name. And so he changes his name and his name in, in terms of the meaning used to be exalted father, but now it means father of, of a multitude, basically, or father of many nations. Just really, it's, it's like a multitude, just a, just an abundance, just a, just a multiplication. Now, here, here's this. We have to go to Romans 4 to, to get, the, get to the point here. You're like, that's awesome. Cool. <laughs> he also changed his wife's name, too. From Sarai to Sarah. Same way. So, Romans chapter 4. And verse 16. So here we're going to pick up with, with Abraham in the, in the New Testament. In verse 16. So he's been talking about Abraham trusting God and being justified by faith. You know, that it wasn't Abraham's works that got him saved. In other words, it was his faith, his trust in God. So it's trying to prove, you know, this book was written to show, hey, this is not about doing the right things. It's about Believing the right person, trusting in the right person, relationship. So in verse 16 it says, therefore the promise comes by faith. Everybody say by faith. It's unfortunate. I, I really wish that the promise came by me seeing something right in front of me. Don't you, don't you wish that? The promise came, I can hand you this, here's the promise, and you just look at it and it's just tangible. It's just like I can, I can put it on my wall, you know, and just hang it up there. Boom! Every time I need the promise, I just go up and touch the wall or something. You know, it just doesn't work like that. God doesn't do magic. He's not into, to, he, he says, I want, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. It's by faith. In other words, you're not going to see it with your eyes. You're going to have to see it on the inside. It's going to be in your spirit. It's going to be in the innermost part of your beings. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only those who are of the law, but those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. So everybody, you know, your great, 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 grandpappy, is Abraham, spiritually. Not physically, but more importantly, spiritually. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. 
So verse 18, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. So here's where, here's, here's the, the crux of this point right here that I want to get to is this. God declared who Abraham was and then Abraham became that. God spoke it over his life before it was true. He spoke it over his life. He was, man, Pastor Don, can you, did you read my notes or something? So if you were here during worship, Pastor Don gets up and is just declaring that God is singing over us. He's declaring the things over us. That's exactly what God did for Abram. He says, guess what? It doesn't matter who everyone else says you are. This is who I say you are. I'm declaring this over your life right now. It may not look like it. Your wife may look at you and say you're crazy. That's kind of what she did in this account in chapter 17. She's like, <laughs> she's laughing. And Abraham laughs too. Oh, am I supposed to laugh just because my wife's laughing? Okay. Um, and so, but God is speaking it over him. Abraham has not yet entered into it, but it's true because God said it. And God says, guess what? I'm going to put part of who I am inside of you, and you're going to become who I've made you to be. So here in Romans chapter 4, it says the same thing. It's, it shows us first in 16 and 17 where God is declaring I've made you the father of many nations. And it said then this, then Abraham against all hope believed and he became, he became, he was transformed into what God had spoken over his life. You know, many of us, you know, as, as we, as we grow older, some of us are growing older more quickly than others. It seems like, um, you, you look back at your life a little bit more. And you get, you kind of can sometimes get, get off track and you can see just all the things that, where you've fallen short. I've had a pretty good life. I had a good family. But, man, I still messed up quite a few things. And some of them are still, like, kind of affecting me a little bit. You know, they're still, they still show up every once in a while. They, like, they, like, rear their head. I'm like, where did you come from? Like, (laughs) get back in that closet. (laughs) You know, my dad, uh, his his testimony is, is pretty, uh, Amazing, and I won't be able to do it justice. But my dad grew up in a, in a, a marginally religious home. They went to church some, and he didn't have a great relationship with his dad. His dad was an, is an amazing man. He's hanging on to life barely, but he didn't he didn't know how to be a father, and he he beat his kids way more than he should have. It was past the point of discipline. And my dad grew up in that situation. He he somehow came to Jesus and he got married and it was really rough for my parents. Uh, those of you that know my my parents, and my, when my mom was living, you would be amazed. You're like, no, no. I mean, literally, I mean, I didn't even believe this story. 
let me tell you. Like, cause thankfully they waited like seven or eight years to have kids, you know, and like they figured a few things out, like two, and those two were great. Um, you know, that, there's a time when my parents were first married. I mean, they're in Bible college. And my mom, they're married, and my mom has locked herself in the bathroom, and she says, I'm going to kill myself. I don't want to live anymore. I cannot live with you. Some of you know my dad, and you're like, really? <laughs> that's, that's not who he is. No, that's right. That's not who he is. And so he had kids. He began pastoring. In Washington, and the church began to grow a little bit, and then just, just it just all went huge church split, just all kinds of stuff, just a lot of discouragement. And so my dad talks about this time where he went out on the beach. And he just said, God, I don't know how to be any of these things. I don't know how to be a father. I mean, that was like even the core, it got to that. It was like, forget all this other stuff, God. I, I don't even know how to be a father. I, 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 can't, I can't do this on my own. And something happened to my dad on the beach in Washington State. At, at E.B.'s Landing. He met Father God. And I believe that that day that God released something into his life, spoke something into his life, and put something into his life that forever changed the course of his future. And he trusted Jesus, and he became a man of God. He became a loving father. He's still got some issues. He's not perfect yet because he's not dead. If you're waiting for perfection, the only way to get there is die. Okay. If you're waiting for your spouse to get perfection, I'm not telling you to do anything about that. Please, <laughs> don't. The please, <laughs> yeah, that could that could. That could go really awry there. <laughs> if you're waiting for your kids to be perfect. <laughs> okay. We've got to read the whole Bible, okay? There's no killing, okay? Um, but but here's the deal. Is you're only going to find what you're looking for when he becomes the center of your life. There's just no other way. I mean that we can we can teach you all these ways to be a better person. We can we can even there's all kinds of that in the Bible. Here do don't do this, do this, all that. And all that can be valid. It gives us a, some framework to understand. Sometimes we just don't know. Oh, I didn't even know that was wrong. Oh. <laughs> Have you ever met someone where there's like they didn't even know that was not a good idea and you're like, "Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I've known that for like 2 years. Come on, man. <laughs> Catch up." <laughs> so I mean, we, we need all that, but if, if we don't have what's on the inside, all that, all the outside doesn't matter. And so Abram had an encounter with God, 
where he met Father God and God declared something over his life. And when God declared something over his life, he was no longer barren. He was no longer unable to produce in his life. Of course, Abraham's was physical, but it was also spiritual. I believe there's some of us who feel like we're trapped in a place of spiritual barrenness. Where it's just like, God, I, I know there's the promise. I know what, you, what your word says. I know what all my friends are encouraging me to do. I know what's being lifted up, but I just still, I still feel like, God, there's no kids here. There's, no, there's nothing coming out. And God today, The Lord today is pointing us back to his word and saying, believe. Believe me. What I've spoken of your life, believe me. Against all hope, believe me. Trust in me. When the other voices are saying, no, 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 no. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Listen to my voice, says the Lord, where he says, no, I'm I'm speaking over your life. I'm declaring over your life. And as you trust me, as you trust me when it doesn't make sense, as you trust me when it's not logical, as you trust me, you're going to become who I've made you to be, who I've declared you to be, who I've spoken over your life to be. I think I'm done. So let's let's stand. I really want to pray over this idea of spiritual barrenness. I could probably talk about it a little bit more, but we're just going to let the Holy Spirit just he does a lot quicker work than me sometimes. Maybe all the time. <laughs> so if that's you, if that's you just I'm closing my eyes too. We're all closing our eyes. This is this is between you and God. I'm not trying to figure out who's dealing with this. So if that's you, I just I just want you to put your hand on your heart right now. Put your hand on your heart. And we're just believing today that that in some way that God's going to take who he is and kind of mark the center of your your being. He may not change your name on the outside, but he, he might change your name on the inside. He might change your name spiritually somehow. Uh it may have nothing to do with what you think is going on all around you, but he's gonna, he's gonna do something and he's gonna speak it over your life right now and he's gonna release fruitfulness. Where you have said, God, I've tried, 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 and he says, I'm gonna do it. And so, Father, right now we just come into agreement with what you are doing right now, Holy Spirit, and we release fruitfulness right now. We break unbelief, Lord, where we have refused or we are unable to believe you, God. We just ask for the grace of God, the power of the Holy Spirit to be released in hearts and say, hope again, hope again, wake up, Spirit, 
Wake up to the Word of God. Wake up to the Spirit of God. Wake up to the truth of God. Wake up to the promise of God. We declare Your Word over each and every one of these lives, God. There are many names that have been spoken over them. There are many words that have been spoken over them. But right now, Your Word matters the most. And so we declare your promises are true in these lives in the name of Jesus. And we release ourselves to fruitfulness, God. And we do our job where we say, God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to, I'm going to read your word. I'm going to quote your word. I'm going to sing to you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to pray in English. I'm going to pray in the spirit. I'm going to, I'm going to trust. I'm going to encourage. I'm going to tell myself, put your hope in God. Soul, soul, you hope in God. Soul, you praise God. Soul, you will bow to Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, Jesus, that all the promises of God are yes in you. And so anything right now that's confusing us, God, we just ask for a greater revelation of Jesus to be released to every single life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We put our hope in you. We just put our hope in you, O oh God. You are so good. You are so good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We receive from you this morning. If you agree with that, would you would you close and say Amen? amen. Hallelujah. Woo! Thank God met us today. In many ways, if you still need prayer for something, then please come see one of us up front. Um, but be blessed. Have a great rest of your Father's Day, and we'll be here next on uh, Wednesday night.